pandemic of violence floods the streets of major cities as cases of the media dubbed murder virus, MV20 soar, causing those infected to go on killing sprees. Caught in the middle, police detective Angela Miller finds her only trustworthy ally in the self-proclaimed psychic PI, Gerald Henry. As the two try to navigate the violence, they are drawn into new age guru, Abra Mellon Harvest's plot to heal the planet. Harvest's missive? The world is sick, and humanity is the infection. The cure? Murder. From the twisted mind of Sean C. Baker, author of A Collection of Desires, and Shadowplay in Book One, Kim and Jesse, comes his most vicious novel yet, Murder Virus. Available where books are sold. Welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I'm Sean, and I am joined today by my very good friend, Missy, and once again, Professor John Trafton from Seattle University. Hey, guys. Hey, Sean. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, Sean. So, Hi, John. Hey. We are here to discuss Luca Guadagnino's Bones and All. And uh, so, John, I believe you just saw this two nights ago? Uh, yeah, night? I saw it. Uh, no, I saw it two nights ago. And Missy went, so you've seen this three times now with a planned fourth, if I'm not mistaken, correct? <laughs> I have. I have a, I have a movie pass, so I've gone to the movies quite a hey, few Hey, you don't have to justify it, to but... me, believe me. I saw Barbarian um, three times in theaters, and I would have went three more had it lasted longer, so. Right. Um, I saw it, the, I think it officially opened on Tuesday night, right before Thanksgiving. Yes, That's the did. first time I saw it. At like 10 o'clock in Chicago on a Tuesday, and there was no one else. There was, I think, three people in the theater that time. Other now, than me. in your subsequent two viewings, were there more people in the theater or less or about the same? No. The, the last two times, it was totally empty. Admittedly, I do go at times I know are not going to be peak times. Okay. Fair enough. That's the best way to do it, honestly. Uh, I'm good John... for going at like 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. There's no one there. That's a good time to go to see a movie. Um, John, when you saw it, what was, was there, you know, so it's been out now for what, like a week and a half. What, what, was there a decent turnout? Um, yeah. When, when I saw it, um, it, yeah, it was a Tuesday night. Uh, it's one, it was one of those AMCs uh, that used to be like a Sundance, part of the Sundance group. So, you know, 21 and over. So it's like, I, I, I always kind of like going to yeah. this theater. It's kind of just sort of less bullshit than, you know, most other places. It's not my favorite uh, theater in Seattle, but uh, it's still pretty decent. And the turnout was uh, was all right. It was a small theater, but uh, you know the the wide sort of the wide framing in the film definitely came through quite well. So it's like I would totally, if I had to go back and see this film again, yeah, same place seems just fine. So okay, that's good. When when I saw it, so this is Clarksville, Tennessee. It's at a Regal. Um, this is my go-to theater. I kind of have been living there, seeing you know if I like a movie, I'll go see it multiple times because I too have a pass, and you know you just might as well, right? And it just tends to be something that I do. And 
I haven't seen this a second time yet, mainly because of the holiday or whatever, but it was a decent turnout. Um, I can't say that I've been really happy with the big, anything I see with a big crowd here or a bigger crowd. I don't know if it was a big crowd, but the more people, there tends to be a little bit more talking and whatnot. If I can make a matinee, it's usually better, but usually eight o'clock on a weekday or a Friday. And, you know, I mean, it. I don't think movies, I don't mean this like in general. Well, maybe I do mean it in general. I mean, I know there's people here that like get it, but I also feel like there's probably a bunch of people with passes that don't have nothing to do. And so they go and you also get the teenage factor, which so when you mentioned the 21 or over thing, that's a blessing. Um, but there were people there to see it. And I was happy. I don't know how how it's done since then here or anywhere else. Um, I know, Missy, you mentioned you were going to see it again soon because you were pretty sure it was going to be out of the theater by what like next week i think by next week it'll be gone because i was looking at because of the past what um what i might want to see and it looks like by by the time by next friday it's it's already out of the small theaters by me okay i mean amcs but yeah um the the one closest to me is like in the mall it's already left that one the bigger amc i go to it has a couple it has like two or three showings right so they're so getting ready ne- to shuffle it out yeah by friday by friday the 9th it'll be gone so if you want to see it i say you need to see it this weekend or sometime during the week yeah, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna hesitate. I'm gonna put this up. I'll edit this tomorrow and put it up right away because I want people I definitely want people to see this movie. I think it I mean saying it needs to be seen implies a certain urgency, but it is definitely like John, you mentioned the wide angle, and it is meant to be experienced on a big screen. I re- I feel like now I've seen so last night I watched um Call Me By Your Name, loved it. And that, I just was like, I watched it at home on Netflix or HBO or something, and I was like, God damn, I wish I'd seen this in the theater. And conversely, I haven't rewatched his Suspiria, but I remember seeing that at the Cinerama Dome and just thinking, oh my God, like I couldn't have, you, you know, it couldn't have picked a better place to see it. You you saw you saw Suspiria at the Cinerama Dome on, in, on Hollywood Boulevard? Not only did I see it at the Cinerama Dome, check this out, I didn't even know this. So it ends, we get up to leave, and then somebody comes out, they start setting up chairs, and this woman's like, okay, so I forget who she was, but so now we're going to bring out the cast. Everybody was there. Everybody in Suspiria was there. Tilda Swinton and Mia Goth and everyone. They were, uh, now wait, I'm pretty sure Mia Goth was there, but I don't remember. But like even Jessica Harper was there. I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. It was, and wow. it was not a premiere. It, that movie, when that opened, what that wasn't pandemic, but there was something about the way that opened where I remember, I remember saying, "We have to see it at the Cinerama Dome because I don't think it's playing anywhere else because it was an Amazon movie." And I'm like, yeah. "I think it's just going to play this weekend." And then I think it might have went longer, but it was like a, I feel like it was like a five o'clock show on like a Saturday, so it wasn't like. You know, I would hear Ray talk about going to see, you know, the the premiere of Iron Man at the Cinerama Dome and Robert Downey Jr. is there to talk about it. That makes sense to me. It's like a Friday night or Thursday night at 10 o'clock and it's it's built into the bill. You know what you're getting when you buy the ticket. 
I had no idea. I don't know if I was just oblivious to the the verbiage when I bought it or what, but I mean, I I was wow floored. So anyway, intense. Love it. Oh my god. Uh, I, if only I could have videotaped it, you know. But I'm <laughs> I'm just. Um, but anyway, so guys, uh, Missy, what? Tell me about why. And I'm not, this isn't, I'm not asking you to justify, but okay. why have you seen it so many times? What brings you back? What keeps you coming back to the theater to see Bones and all? Um, I, I love the way it's filmed. Like he mentioned with the, the widescreen, when you're, I mean, it's a movie made to be seen in the theater because there are scenes where it looks like you're looking out the windshield with the character. Yeah. Um, and the characters are what really keep bringing me back because, I mean, and we, sometimes you get it in horror, but you don't, I feel like movies suffer from having time to really build their characters, like the development of the characters where they almost feel like real people and mm -hmm. these people do. I think that's what really grabs me that made me enjoy the movie so much. Well said. Well said, um, John. What? What? How did you feel about it in in general, or like, you know, knee jerk reaction? I should say for the listener, we're gonna stay away from spoilers for a little bit, and then I'm gonna say, okay, ha you know, um, full spoiler discussion, and then at that point, if you haven't seen the movie, turn this off. So, John, go ahead. Yeah, I mean. It's not a spoiler to get into the premise that this is no, a cannibal film. And I and I went into it thinking like, okay, where where are they gonna take this? You know, because I, I've I've always kind of thought that um this is basically like it would be a vampire film, but just like completely stripped of any supernatural elements. If we were to mm -hmm. like strip vampire lore of anything supernatural this story would be kind of like the logical endpoint of that. Yes. And I walked out of the film thinking uh, 70% of the film was the best vampire movie I've seen since Let the Right One In. Uh, the other 30%, I'm not so sure about. Uh, okay. I don't know. I don't know if the other 30% worked for me and we can kind of elaborate mm -hmm. a, a little bit why once we get into spoiler territories and pick okay. it apart and um and, and and missy if you if there's any thing that maybe you feel like i'm not getting about certain parts you know i'm like you know very happy to be enlightened but uh <laughs> all, all, all in all i give it a solid b i think it is like some of the really really not nice elements of call me by your name uh, meets all what worked about Suspiria for me. Uh, I thought uh, Taylor Russell uh, absolutely just gave like, you know, one of the year's great performances. I absolutely loved her. Uh, Timothy Chalamet uh, was Timothy Chalamet at his Timothy Chalamet-est. Uh, I felt like this is the most Timothy Chalamet character I have ever seen played by Timothy Chalamet. So, you know, which is not a bad thing. No, no. You know, I just thought, you know, if somebody just said Timothy Chalamet is a cannibal. Yeah, that's that's the character right there. Uh, so, yeah, all in all, uh, B, 
B plus, I would give it uh, flawed, but so well acted, well shot. And I'd say there's 70% of a great film in there. Right on. I would have to say, so the first first thing I just want to mention, and I almost feel like it's a spoiler, but it's not. There's two things that aren't spoilers, but I guess, so the first thing is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do the score. Yeah. I really love what they, I, I'm a big Trent Reznor fan, but I'm all, I'm maybe more of an Atticus Ross fan going back to when he did uh, Barry Adamson's as, as above, so below is when he kind of went on my radar. And so when Reznor recruited him and they did social network, I was super happy, yada, yada, yada. But I read this shortly before seeing the movie that day. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. And then watching the movie, I completely forgot it based on the score because it's so sparse and acoustic. And then at some point, they put, there's a, a chord progression that is similar. To, th- there's a certain chord progression Trent Reznor uses kind of as like a signature, I feel like. And there's a, an element of it done by an acoustic guitar. I think it's four notes. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot while I'm sitting here watching this that this is Reznor and Ross. Yeah. And I just the score as in the other two Luca Guadagnino movies I've seen is very, very important to it. And I think here he's I had issues with the score in Suspiria. I I love the score in uh, Call Me By Your Name. But this I feel like it just matched the raw, earthy tone of the cinematography and the characters and the story so well that it. I don't, there's just sometimes when music feels like it's added later and this just felt like it was no pun intended in the bones of this movie. It just was yeah. so perfect. Other thing is I told Missy going in, I, so I don't, and, and I mean, you, you, I'm not contesting e- either the cannibal or the vampire, but I would just like to say my interpretation going in and coming out, it was affirmed. I think what he did here was just invent a new monster. Because it's they're not exactly cannibals because there's something about them. It's it's not just people that eat people because well there's a there's a something I can point to, but we'll get into that with in the spoiler land. But um, I just think that he's so understated in the way that he, uh, um, Guadagnino is so understated in the way he does things. He didn't feel the name that he didn't feel the need to name it or really give you any story about it whatsoever, which I think is what Missy thought might drive me nuts was that, I mean, you get what you get and that's what you get. And I'm sure some people would be like, well, okay, why? And you don't get it. And, but I also really like that. So. Yeah, no, I agree that he, he didn't try to over explain like whatever kind of, mythology if you could call it that yeah. was going on here you know like he didn't or or this the science of it or like really like um it's it, it's almost like he recognized that there's a cliche to explain the rules of the universe like you know screenwriting 101 for horror yeah. it's like you know the rules if you're making like a vampire film or a monster movie you know you establish like the rules that you know, are part of that world, like the inner mechanics here. Yes. No, no need to do that. And it kind of, it's almost kind of like, it's just sparse, just like the score in yeah. so many ways. Uh, 
uh, Missy, so I would say I've known you a very long time, and I know that monster movies are one of your favorite things, and you know your, your favorite movies. And I know that, like Nightbreed, where the monsters are the good guys. I know that this kind of plays into that, but talk about how. So for people who like monster movies, I mean they're not going to get. Like Nightbreed, they're they're not going to get that. You know, they're not going to get full on. You see them as monsters. It's much more understated, like Johnson. But talk, uh, like, how do you feel about this as a monster movie? Um, Well, I think the one thing that I do want think people need to know is that, like, they're marketing it as a horror to the horror crowd, and it's not that. I mean, it's it has plenty of horror elements in it, but it's much more of a an indie drama than a horror movie. So, I mean, I think people need to just go in open-minded and be willing to just buy the ticket and take the ride without mm-hmm. a whole bunch of preconceived ideas. Because if you go in expecting a horror movie or wanting a monster movie, you might miss miss the good stuff. Well said. Um, I do think that it is a monster movie though be- because they're not they're not straight up cannibals um because there are a couple things they i guess we're not saying any of that right not now yet, yeah but, but there are there are some things to point to that that kind of bear that out so it gives you a chance to know the monsters as people where they're we're not just watching a movie where you're going to see monsters that look monstrous. They kind of blend in. They look ordinary. And they have concerns and all the kind of things we do. Yet, so the story ends up being extremely relatable. And then we cut to this these horrible things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And realize, okay, they have problems like us, but you know, it's still a fantasy story. Yeah, well said. It's almost like the tonal shifts uh, mimic the complexity of real life. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Yeah, well said. Very, very much. Yeah. uh, I I mean, I could, uh, again, there there could be some things I could get into, but just, I guess it's not a spoiler because it's just like, it's in the trailer and it's just like the first five minutes. We get into this, uh, and by the way, I have to say, just like, uh, I love the, I, I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to typography and uh, fonts mm-hmm. and, and setting. Uh, I I really kind of like, you know, how we have uh, the different states on this road trip, like the initials, yes. the postal initials of it, just that font setting. It just, it worked for me. Like, I, yeah. I can understand why maybe some people would just not be drawn into that i was but anyway yeah just like we started off which first minute we're thinking you know this is like a high school you know this is kind of like feels like a high school drama and then you know we shift one way and shift another way and it never once felt like you know like a quentin tarantino-esque hey look what i can do with the tonal shifts and name that genre you know right not at all yeah it, it was very fluid yeah, very, very fluid. Yeah, good, good call. Very fluid. God, I mean, 
it's just also integrated, you know? And, and I think because it's, I don't know that this, like Tarantino's, so he does spectacle, right? And I don't yeah. feel like this, like, I feel like the widescreen of this is spectacle, but in the way we're like Missy, you know, it, so I get, I get a near dark element, but I also get like a, and I, I haven't even seen this whole movie, but Nomadland where they really want you to breathe the dust that they're breathing and, and to see the the dirty glare on the windshield as they look out over these hills. And like, like, he has a really good skill at putting you in a place so much so that I, okay. So there's something I realized about Werner Herzog years ago where I think Werner Herzog a lot of times picks a location and then figures out what he wants to film there. And I think I mean, that might not be so true early on, but I think in his, some of his later stuff, I definitely get a feeling that he might do that. And I wonder that about Guadagnino because call me by your name, Italy. And it just like, he puts you, it, the setting is not arbitrary. I mean, no movie setting is arbitrary. Well, I won't say no movie, but most movie settings aren't arbitrary, but it's goes beyond that and becomes like a, I feel like it's cliche to say it's a character, but it kind of is. And then obviously Suspiria, the first thing. And I know, Missy, you watched about half of it last night. And mm -hmm. that's the reason I've never watched it again at home. It's just, I, it's a fabulous movie, but I'm just worried about if I turn it on late, am I going to, you know, am I going to crash or whatever? But I immediately got why it was different than Argento's and why he, he was like, I'm not doing that movie. I'm doing this movie. And it's because it's, it's fucking West Berlin. Right. And it's so that era in Berlin, like it, it's just a major facet of the story. And then here we, here too, we just have, this is a road movie, right? Like the, the American dream is basically really boils down to you get and get in a truck and drive from one end of the country to the other and just disappear to some degree. Right. And man, I don't know. He just, he, he did it. He, I, that's, I just felt like I was dissolving into the road with, with these, these two wonderful characters and, Man, I don't know. Kind of touch on like why I would, you know, I, I think it is a horror film more and more because when you mentioned Werner Herzog, you know, you reminded me about like why one of my favorite Werner Herzog films is uh, his version of Nosferatu because he, you know, I think if there's any painting that sums up all of Werner Herzog's films, it's that Casper uh, uh, David Friedrich's Wanderer Above the Sea of Fog, which is which is the sublime. It evokes the sublime. You find it in Frankenstein uh, and all throughout like early Gothic literature. And Werner Herzog puts it out there. I'm feeling this from, and that's why I thought the wide angle was so important. That's why I think the listeners really need to see this in the theater when they get a chance to. It evokes it. Like, you know, the scenes like where, you know, the characters like traveling across, uh, you know, across like, vast like there's no mountains it's just kind of like vast you know like countryside or like sitting on top of hillsides it's like the sublime and like that's just like such a strong horror element you know you feel like you know you're about you're you feel like so elevated and then you just feel like you're being swallowed up into this chasm yeah well said very well said before we go spoilers, does anybody have anything else they want to say that's that's on this side of the spoiler fence? 
Okay, so let's just go around the table. I would definitely say if you if you're listening to this, go see it in the theater if you can. Missy, I'm assuming you're going to second that motion. I definitely agree with that. You have the opportunity to go before it's gone. It's not going it, to stick around long, and that would be a shame. Yeah. I mean, maybe it'll last longer than we think, but I, I don't know. I mean, certainly there have been a couple movies that I just can't believe are still in the theater here. So maybe. You never know. You, you just never know. But I definitely, you don't know, so go see it as soon as possible if you're going to see it. John, you, you, I'm assuming you would also third that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like maybe out of the three of us, I might have liked it the least, but, uh, you know, I still second that. And and history could very well be kind to this film anyway. So you're going to want to do that and it benefits from it for sure. Well said. Okay, so if you're listening, we're going full spoilers. So if you haven't seen Bones and All, turn this off now. Okay. Okay. Uh, Who wants two to go words. First? Two, two words. Mark fucking reliance. <laughs> Wait, who? It was Sully. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. Sully, like feasting in his tidy whities <laughs> and like the 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 like the the rope made out of hair, and <laughs> just like his final, like what you think, and that scene where you, what you think is his final farewell to to Marin, where he's just like fuck you, then and like gets in the van. It all solely worked for me. And this is where I, I the film just went full on horror where it gets uncanny, just the whole Freudian uncanny with the wallpaper in the background yes. on the stairwell where she's where he's saying, like, you know what you are. Get in there and, and take care of business. Oh, man, he was so good. And. Oh, the. So in a road movie scenario, often the best ones, people, you know, characters come and go and they don't necessarily mean anything other than what they meant at the time that they encountered them. It doesn't come back around. Right. And so you get um, Sully and then she moves away from him. Right. And and it goes on. And then when she's with um, Lee, they encounter and Missy pointed this out to me and I didn't get it at first. Um, David Gordon Green. <laughs> yeah, like I think that guy's David Gordon Green. And I'm like, really? Uh, and and then also, and I'm just making a connection here now. the The longer hair guy is Michael Stolberg, isn't he? Who yeah. is the father in Call Me by Your Name? Yeah, is he the father? Holy okay. shit! That is a mind blow because he is just. Well, other than Sully, like there is such an innate horror in that character and David Gordon Green, which we'll get to in a minute. But but and then in Call Me By Your Name, he's so wonderful. Like I kept telling Kirsten, I'm like, he reminds me so much of Robin Williams in those like tender, serious roles that he would do. Like there was just something about his humanity. And then to see to realize he was one of the least human characters in this movie, like Oh my God, I just didn't. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah I didn't it, realize that was the father. I saw the name and recognized I, I'm not wrong, right? John, I'm not wrong, right? In it, but... No, 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 no. You're, and what, what's even, uh, this is kind of where things where 
it, it kind of threw uh, the vamp. It's where the vampire analogy runs into trouble. And Missy, I think you're spot on with this one because remember the guy that they're with. The I think it was like um, police officer uh, that apparently he's not a, an eater. You know, he just decided you know i i should give this a try you know yeah. maybe i'll like it he's just you know, a and, sick fuck right yeah and and i was just watching that just going yugata yugata what yeah. yeah but so that's what i think points to the fact that this is these are different so because um so michael Stahlberg's character is explaining to you know uh lee and Marin kind of like what they are even he's kind of filling in some more blanks or whatever they're kind of talking about it and then talking about how his counterpart david gordon green is not one of them but just does it because he just wanted to do it and so that really illustrated to me like okay so this is like to go back to to the vampire thing if you know somebody showed up in a vampire movie and was like man, I don't need to do this, but I kind of want to start, you know, it, it, almost like a Countess Bathory kind of thing where it's like, I'm going to do this just because I'm a, I'm just sick and depraved and, and feel like, why should you be able to do this? Just, but it was that, that really, I was like, oh, so these are not exactly people. I mean, in most respects, they are, it's such a weird thing. It's such a fine line because there's, there's, it's not like there's something in them that, it, you know, I don't know. It's just, they're just, I guess, a different physiology and it's past, right? So the mother didn't even recognize Chloe Sevigny, did not recognize oh, her at all. Yeah, me neither. I, I recognize Jessica Harper straight away, but yes. uh, yeah, but uh, Chloe Sevigny, no, uh, I, that I, I was, I was trying, I was trying to register that. And then when I saw her name in the credits, I was like, oh, no shit. Yeah, same. Uh, wow, man. I don't, Missy, talk some spoilers. Um, one of the, I think, I mean, I think we're right on that there's definitely some, something we haven't seen because they do point out, like, all the eaters we meet have had one parent who was. Right. Um, so there's something genetic there. And then we've got characters throughout the movie finding each other because they smell each other. Yes. So, I mean, it's point. definitely not, they're not human cannibals. There's, there's a little bit more going on. Do you remember, does Sully mention how long he's been alive? Is he extraordinarily old or is, am I imagining that he says that? And we don't know. I don't, I don't know that he ever tells us something that puts us in a time. Okay, okay. I, I couldn't like remember. I didn't know if I was frame. mixing it. Okay. Not that I recall. But I, and he does mention that one of, I think he says his his grandfather, what, or that his grandfather was one. I think, but I'm not positive. There's definitely, he. I think they all have some, like you said, they mentioned some familial um connection or whatever although to varying degrees yeah that's where that's where it kind of brought things a little bit vampiric for me because va uh vampire lore has um, among other things you know it's been it was a way for people 
you know, in medieval times and pre-modern era to uh, explain things like addiction and you know, and and that genetic heritage, you know, uh, and so you know, just sort of like being kind of stricken with this like need, this addiction desire, you know, and with kind of like and that kind of got reinforced a little bit with like uh, the the family situation. I was a little bit kind of confused for a while. I was like, so is this meant to be hereditary? Because we're not seeing this really with Lee, or like I don't really quite understand what's going on with the sister i i love how he confessed like his dad had so you know suffered from addiction was an alcoholic and he quote ate the fuck out of him which was just that was just one of the best lines in the whole film yeah i agree so i was a little bit again i was a little bit confused by like you know how the the rules and how the logic works but then i i kind of just sort of settled on the idea that you're not supposed to know it's but it's kind of it should be kind of a little bit murky just the way real life is murky and just be you know happy and satisfied with that and that worked for me just fine i think that's definitely part of it but so missy would you i feel like you might have a better handle on lee's like lineage because we had a conversation where i remember thinking i need to watch for so the scene because he he has a dream at some point but you don't know what you're seeing but it's his, it's him killing his father, correct? Yes, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what we're seeing. And um, he does call out. He tells us later on that his dad was was an eater, okay, as well. Okay, because when he starts, um, when Marin gets him to tell her what he what's going on in his head, he tells her that his dad came for him with his teeth, or he tried to rip me open with his teeth. That definitely solidifies it more. But I do feel like it is there is the murky thing too, John. Like you said, there it's none of it's over explained. And I certainly missed that part of it until you brought that up, Missy, in a in a text conversation. Because that was what I was like, okay, I gotta watch for that the next time I see it. I didn't get it till the second time I saw it. Okay. What we were mm -hmm. looking at. The first time when we see those flashes, I thought he was flashing to truck to the truck guy that he kills in the beginning when we meet him, but it's not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think this conversation is really starting to bring why the 30% that I didn't like into relief. Like, I think it's sort of making it more clear, which is, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark here and just say that uh, the other 30% uh, that I didn't like was because I liked and appreciated the murky and imperfectness of this story. And then it takes a turn where things felt a little bit too neat and a little bit too formulaic. And we get that when we get to, unfortunately, we get that when we get to Jessica Harper. Uh, and then... And then it then it kind of then and and when he when she leaves Lee afterward, it's sort of like it felt like all of those scenes there, it, it felt like things that I had already seen before in other films. And then it kind of the ship kind of writes itself again. And then uh, and, and then Mark Reliance Sully coming back again, uh, you know, for that like that final attack. Uh, just sort of 
it did not work for me. It just sort of felt like, like they kind of, it felt a little bit sort of almost like a Michael Myers, you know, coming back from, you know, like he won't die and he's come back again, mm-hmm. you know, for one final scare mm-hmm. before, before the end. That's those, those moments in the film, you know, just took it out, took me out of it and felt uneven. It felt like it was this sort of imperfect freewheeling uh, road trip for these two people that felt like under uh, misunderstood by society. And they learn more about themselves through meeting other people that were like them. Um, he, you know, and Lee, you know, encounters at the fair, another guy who is marginalized by society in a wholly different kind of mm-hmm. way. And, and that all of that worked for me. And then, then it just, then things got a little too neat. And I didn't understand that that was why, that final third of the film felt like it took a turn that I didn't like, but I think that might be kind of why, like my favorite shot in the whole film, for example, is after they, uh, after they kill the guy at uh, the liquor store and they go to, they go to his house when Lee's puts on the kiss record and he's just (laughs) caressing the wall and the camera just follows him around the room in like a circular motion. I I don't think he's even like had had a chance to wash off yet. And and yeah, he's still bloodied up. Like to me, that was, that was like just an exemplar of what worked about the film for me in a nutshell. God, that's a great scene. And I, I hate Kiss, and <laughs> I do, I do, I do too. And I was never more pleased to hear Kiss, and I and I fucking hate Kiss. And the fact is, like, this is the one where they took the makeup off, and <laughs> I just thought I loved that scene so much. And it, it it couldn't have been anything other than that song by Kiss. You know what I mean? It was like, my taste be damned. That was so perfect. Yeah, oh my it God. worked. Which I guess is a song is a sign of a good of good filmmaking when you can mm-hmm. take a song that you just despise or you, you just don't want to hear and it, it it just makes it work yeah totally makes it work definitely uh but i guess that in a nutshell would like really kind of explain the 30 percent. speaking of jessica harper by the way uh question for both of you uh, did you did you notice the Argento uh, Suspiria visual homage? No, I did okay. not. Okay, uh, Missy, you've seen Argento Suspiria, right? Yes. Okay, when you rewatch Bones and All, and Sean, uh, same for you. There's a scene where um, uh, where Marin arrives at uh, Greyhound Station. And the shot is from outside and like the sliding doors open. And then she's walking towards a taxi and it's a POV shot of her walking towards the taxi. It's just, it's same thing with Jessica Harper in uh, Suspiria. It's like a total visual quotation of that. What yet watch just re-watching, I'm sure you can find the clip on YouTube from Suspiria. I know the clip of Suspiria yeah. by heart, so I'm surprised yeah. I didn't see it, but I definitely did not. Oh my god, yeah. it's awesome. As, as, soon, as, soon as, I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, nice one, Luca, nice one. That's really cool. I will definitely look for that. You know, I, in watching Call Me By Your Name last night, I said to Kirsten, there were some, just some shots of the countryside. It's when they go to um... Near in the in the last act of the movie, they they go on the the train to I forget where they go, but there's a scene of them like running up a mountainside, and there's some 
just some camera shots of not they're not in the the shots but it's just of the countryside and i was like this so reminds me of phenomena those opening shots of just kind yeah. of the you know the 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 hills and the the trees and the wind blowing in the trees and and i was like i really i i definitely see where argento kind of worked into luca guadagnino's dna early on and and how it, it you know i i can't wait to rewatch suspiria now i'm like this is all getting me so excited to do so um and to get like like missy like so by, hopefully by the time you finish it i'll have watched it and we, you know we'll be able to talk about it but i mean you know that was one of those where it's like you you know you read about somebody's remake and i didn't know who he was and i'm like what you know, I mean, that had been talked about. Oh, you know, I know like Lucky McKee at one point did a movie called The Woods, and he was like, I think he made The Woods because he, they had dangled a Suspiria remake in front of him. And he was like, nah, I don't know if anybody should do that. And he made this movie, and he's like, well, this is like my way of doing it without doing it. Or he, I forget what the quote was, but it was something where he kind of had backed off. And, and it was talked about for years and years and years. And just it's one of those movies like how do you remake that and the way you remake it is you are luca guadagnino and you're like i'm not making that movie i'm gonna it's not gonna be colorful it's not gonna be anything that that movie was it's gonna be the exact opposite it's just gonna use like these kernels of that movie the one thing i'll say about bones and all i think he perfected the score the the marrying the image because okay so suspiria the thing that I don't like about his Suspiria, the final act, the climactic bloodbath. Tom York has who I, I I'm I'm not anti Tom York. I love certain Radiohead albums, and a large part of why I, I love him is his bizarre voice. I you know they it's part and parcel. But he I believe is his voice is not present in any of the score. And then that scene, he's singing over what's happening. And I am immediately no longer immersed in the film because he's got such a distinctive voice. And it really bothered me because I felt like it just took what should have been this very bombastic, impactful moment and just zapped it by half. And I was like, why? So I noticed in Call Me By Your Name, he uses Sufjan Stevens, who he's fine. I'm not like a fan, but I mean, I like some of his work. I thought that married a little bit better, but I was also very aware. Although for whatever reason, for that movie, I feel, felt like the vocal over the score worked when it was there. But the moment when Trent Reznor starts singing, and for a moment I was like, is this Trent Reznor? But then it obviously is. It was just so perfectly done. And by somebody who is aware, I think, that he's got an iconic voice, so he did not sing like he normally sings. And it just further, like, I was like, oh, my God, this movie and the way he's using the score are just so. But, of course, that's why you pay Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross to do the score for your movie, I guess. Um, what it remind it reminded me, uh, have you ever seen um, Dead Man by the Jim Jarmusch film? Not in many years, but yes, I have. Yeah. It's a fantastic it movie. It reminded me a little bit of Neil Young's uh, score for Dead Man in that it's like kind of, yeah, in that it's kind of like it's pronounced enough to where you notice it and it's 
moody and atmospheric but it also kind of blends you into like the milieu of the world like it's not it it isn't like you know i i've got i have a little bit of a different opinion about the tom york song unmade uh from suspiria but tell me tell me but 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 well it kind of has to do with really just sort of like the theme of of sorrow uh, that is just sort of so present throughout the film and that it just gets evoked by uh, just gets evoked by Guadagnino's take on horror and and it's it's in bones and all as well the thing that all by, by the way the thing that took me out of that Suspiria finale is uh really bad CG with uh, the blood yeah that, that, that also it, yeah it, it, it wasn't Tom York so much as it was like yeah the CG wasn't great it's like it felt like it, it felt not done yeah but yeah trent reznor atticus ross always been a fan really really love seeing them here and it's like i always i just even remember back like listening to nine inch nails during the 90s and just thinking you know how cinematic this was and lo and behold here we are here we are with both of them missy give me something i think i like um uh, apparently i fall in love with movies that are about monsters where monsters aren't the bad guy. Mm-hmm. However, I liked that when we get Sully, um, Mark Rylance was amazing every single time he was on screen. Yeah, he was. And he was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was terrifying and when we meet um, the the other two eaters, David Gordon Green and Michael Dolberg. So, so, yeah. Right. Jake and Brad. Um, right. <laughs> I I I think they also capture what there aren't many move uh, like movie monsters or even just movies in general that are scary anymore. Mm-hmm. Like if we're jaded, they don't scare us. We just enjoy them. Um so if something really gives you the you know the heebie jeebies, like I usually give them major props and all three of those actors were able to do that. I thought that yeah. was great. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I remember asking you, like, okay, wh- why do they get up and leave in the middle? Of, like, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was an inherent threat that was expressed that we saw, but it seemed to be there. And then he runs after it. So it's like, wait. But then the more I thought about it, that's why like even as a viewer you're so immersed at that point i was very aware that there was threat emanating from those two people i couldn't put my finger on it but it's like in real world situations where i've been in situations where i'm like this is not a person i i should not be here right now this is they you know they might not be acting threatening but there is it's definitely there and they just exuded it and so then when they do leave and he goes running. That's where it's made manifest. And it's so subtle because it was never again, again, another thing that's just not really expressed, but it's there. And I'm really getting that that is where Luca Guadagnino, that's kind of his play, his MO. And I think sometimes it works better than others, but that's a point in all of his movies. I think that's a point where it really worked like, holy shit. And then, I mean, Sully is just, God damn. I, I mean, you know, at first, I smelled you for, you know, whatever, like that's threatening. There's nobody that's not going to be threatened by that. Right. Right. And then as she kind of lets her guard down and goes with him, 
you're with her and you're you're like okay i don't know that this is a good idea but but then you start to think is this guy just kind of special like is he on the like I, he just doesn't he seems like he's developmentally not all there and so then it's like oh is he just is it you know i i don't know sometimes there can be people with arrested development that in no like they just come across as different and it can feel threatening so then i was like is that just there's just a so there's a misconnection here like it's just not we're not reading the right wiring and then it's like you're still not sure even when he shows back up and and it, you realize he's been following her and she's creeped out by it. you're then you're still not sure you're like creeped out at first and then i was like maybe he really is just kind of naive and but then like john like you said when he's like well fuck, i think his exact words are like fuck you you cunt and it's so ugly and like like oh <laughs> shit like okay this is one of those situations where things just went bad like that right yeah it's jarring which, it which almost yeah which which is almost kind of like why i didn't like his one final return because i felt like it sort of undercut just sort of how creepy he was in like that farewell scene and uh and and just even in the house you know and i i you it, it plays around with the idea of like do you know are these cannibals like do, you know some of them have morals you know some of them you know maybe or they're just kind of trying to work out what they are you know like lee for example you know seems to kind of prefer eating maybe people that aren't that great you know mm -hmm. or like don't have you know families anyway uh until he screws up uh mm -hmm. and that you know but he's his sister is pardon the pun off the menu uh <laughs> it seems uh and there's other people that are like you know have like pretty much like do not touch you know but yeah. then like you know you kind of get mark reliance who's just sort of like you know he seems to have his sort of moral code but like you you don't know whether he's actually being honest about that or not yeah and they even call out in the beginning because i had the same vibe when i first met when you first meet sully too that maybe he's just a little he's really awkward or maybe he's a little slow um but when Marin first meets lee and she tells him about him she said oh well i think that he he's he was trying to help and lee kind of looks at her and says i profoundly doubt that yeah that's right i like that line i forgot about that mm -hmm. well it, he also mentions there's like he there's lore about sully right like he knew oh i heard of that guy yeah he does say he heard about him somewhere i don't remember exactly what was up with that but um he like he didn't start out scary like he kind of trips that oh maybe he's a little slow but i didn't get immediate oh this is this is wrong this isn't a good place to be when you meet the other two later at the campfire they feel all sorts of wrong and that's why i had messaged you later that i think their intent was to eat them <laughs> yeah i think you're right well and and definitely so i really like the other thing i think that points to them being some kind of other species is when he go and and this is you know like like john like you said where they don't over explain they don't give you a lot of the rules the one thing they do give you and i really liked it was oh bone, you ain't had your bones and all 
Oh, everything's mm. there's before and after. And so I like the fact that we get this, that in this society, which is, it's not even a society tends to be something that is like a functional, you know, like a city or, or well, not exactly, but you know what I mean? Where this is like, these people are spread out all over the map. Right. So they don't necessarily know one another. Missy, did you, did you make the comparison to the true not? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, John, are you familiar with Doctor Sleep, book or movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen Doctor. I actually kind of like Doctor Sleep. To be oh, honest. I love Doctor Sleep. Yeah, I, I love Doctor Sleep. But there's an element of the True Knot where it's like, oh, they're kind of just out there, and maybe like some of them kind of come together, and there's like a loose knit. Like when, when Lee says he's heard of Sully, it implies that there's some kind of communication network, although it's probably very sparse. Um. But yeah, that that bones and all, I I really really like that a lot. Um, I will say, John, I agree with you. So when Sully, so first of all, when they were like, okay, they're on the hillside and they're like, let's be people for a while. I thought that was the end of the movie. Let's try to lead lead, lead a normal life. I mean, that they could have ended with with that, or even just like the just like very soft, gentle moments with them leading yeah. some kind of domestic life. And, and and leaving it on an uncertain note, uh, that would have worked for me. I, I had a I had a question for you both, and 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 I'm still maybe kind of wrapping my head around this. Uh, apart from the fact that, you know, it takes the idea of like modern day technology, like you know, smartphones and Wi-Fi out of the equation. Uh, what do you make of the the set the time setting? I mean, it's like it's. I'm guessing it's like 1980 during the Carter Reagan uh, presidential election uh, or no later than 1983, I think. And uh, there might be a couple reasons why in my head. I'm just curious what your take was on that, both of you. Missy? Well, there's a, I'm a, assuming it's 84 or a little after because there's a sticker on the truck that's it's uh, Reagan- Reagan Bush 84, I think it says. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, so it's a little yeah, it's on the It's on the bumper of the truck, so it's either that year or a little bit after. I don't know when the Kiss album, Lick It Up, came out, but I think it's also around there. Okay. Because I used to be, I used to be a Kiss fan. All right. Um... I would bet that it's 83 because the bumper stickers are usually right propaganda for the upcoming election. Right. And okay. I think I know Call Me By Your Name is 83. And I think Suspiria might be. Why oh, do I? I I'm 77. trying to. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be because of the political. You're right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. So. I don't, that's a re really good question, John. I don't know. I mean, I kind of think that that's just obviously his sweet spot and that's where he likes to operate uh, as far as like Guadagnino. But I mean, obviously a lot of horror likes to go with the eighties, but this isn't, this isn't that, like this isn't doing it for that reason, right? Yeah, like this isn't Mandy. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's no aesthetic reason that it's doing it or it, not overt ones. So I mean, maybe, well, also, I feel like that kind of sparse network and being able to kind of be off the grid and 
that definitely lends itself to pre-internet. Um, you know, the like less globalization, no satellites, just easier to kind of disappear, to kind of live on the fringe. I think that's definitely an aspect because that's really, I mean, it is really about that. Um, Hmm. That's a really good question, though. Yeah, I, I don't really have an answer, really. I mean, apart from, I don't even think there, I, I'm not even suggesting that there even needs to be one. No, no, yeah, right, right. It's it's just something to ponder, definitely. I mean, and he keeps going back, like he, are, are these his only three movies, or is are there more? Oh, oh, there, there's a lot more. Oh, uh, I didn't some, know that. Some, like, er, earlier stuff with, uh, uh God, I forget what it's called. Um, like early stuff with uh, Tilda Swinton. Um, that uh, a bigger splash uh, is one that I really, I, I really recommend. I kind of, okay. I, I quite like uh, with uh, Ray Fiennes and Tilda Swinton. I like. Okay, um, awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Suspiria more than Call Me by Your Name, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, bigger splash. If if someone's look looking to go beyond these three. If we're to kind of consider this as like a trilogy, uh, check out a bigger splash. I will definitely okay. do that. I will too. I've not heard of that one. Um, Tilda Swinton, Ralph Fiennes, Dakota Johnson again. Uh, Kiss, Lick It Up came out in 83. I just looked okay. it up. Um, I was going to say, you know, the, I will say that although I thought so when it didn't end on the hillside with let's be people for a while and then they kind of fade into the very gradually fade into that scene of her making eggs or something and you realize they've moved i think they're in minnesota maybe or something mm -hmm. um and i was like oh why why i get this a lot where like I'll, I'll be like oh end here end here end here and then when a movie does i'm like oh thank you and then if it doesn't i'm like oh why now you have to make it right and so I thought it was just going to be like an outro and then it kept going. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And then when he came back, I was like, okay. And I definitely had that feeling of the, just the laborious, like I, it, the slasher, like, oh, he gets back up. But I always think of it as there's a Simpsons episode with the dad, your hands in the toaster. Oh, it's in there again. <laughs> like, it's just so like, I didn't hate it, but I was so like, why are we doing this? And you know, in my head, I was like, this is going to be okay if they fucking kill one of them. And they fucking did. So I was like, balls, dude. Okay, we're good. I'm totally fine with this now. There is a point. I do feel like it's a little bit belabored to have him, like, you get into that, like, okay, how he's still been following her for all this time, but... but I think ultimately I'm fine with it, but it's one of those things where I, I'm like, I'm suspicious of it at first and I really have to come around to it on my own terms. And I d ultimately did. And I think I, it, even another viewing will just seal that deal. Um, but I, I did think, and there's, there's no definitive stance that, that Lee dies, but Lee dies. I mean, I don't see, I don't see any way, any, any interpretation where he didn't. Um, but maybe that's just my predilection for how I want it to be, even yeah. though it's heartbreaking. Well, I mean, from a screenwriting point of view, at that point, I was kind of, you know, with that and sort of some of the earlier stuff of uh, Jessica Harper, you know, I was kind of just thinking, oh, ye of little faith, you know, you could have just sort of maintained 
the beautiful thing that you had for the first hour and a half. There is definitely some like save the cat that seems like yeah. it's kind of like pushed in at points, but I, I think ultimately I, I think it serves out his, his vision because what it does is it leaves her alone again. And I think that is kind of the through line of the movie. So she got to have this. We're never going to have a sequel, I hope. And, and, you know, so th there's the movies where it's like in your head, like you don't want a sequel. It's perfect. But in your head, you can't help thinking what it would be or, you know, what you'd like to see, but you never actually want to see it. And so this, it's like, she just ends up, I, it, 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 it actually, it's almost exactly, now I think about it, like the end of Call, so Call Me By Your Name, I thought the crux of that movie is Michael Stolberg's speech at the end where he's basically like, it's beautiful what you had and, it, you know, it's something I never, like, it's this kind of re reflection back on like, you had this, it was wonderful, but everything is fleeting, so just be happy that you had it even though it hurts. And so I feel like ultimately that's where this movie ends for Marin, and it's sad because you, I mean, I definitely rooted for them and they made a go of it and it worked for a while. And then, you know, it, it just sucks that it ended like it did. Although I will say the gore in this movie, when it's gory, it's, it's fun. <laughs> that, <laughs> that worked. <laughs> yeah. Oh that, man. That, that, that worked. I mean, even, uh, and, and I'll, I'll get off the, tropey right turn that the film takes towards the end in just a second just one more thing i was mm -hmm. the the eating of lee part you know i just it felt shoehorned for me i was like oh okay. come on you know i yeah. mean it it, it it worked in the grand scheme of things but you know again you know i just kind of wish they'd had a little bit more faith in what they were, what they had originally set out to do. But yeah, when, when it worked, like everything from like, just sort of like, um, I would say this, and this kind of goes back with Suspiria, um, Guadagnino knows how to do body horror well. Yeah. It's like, you know, the the contorting oh. uh, Russian ballerina in Suspiria, you know, is like kind of, in, could kind of go toe to toe with that opening scene of just like, part of the finger dangling off yes. at the slumber party you know that the the body horror in this film works hands yeah. down yeah missy how do you feel about the body horror oh when you get the the horror and and the gore like it's all done extremely extremely well and very effectively um i mean i love all kinds of horror and I mean, I don't feel like they cheated us when we do get it. It was very yeah. effective. And I do like the ending. Granted, I probably would have preferred if it had just stopped after Let's Be People. That would have been perfect for me. But I do like what we get as well. And the gore at the end when they're in the bathtub and like that scene was amazing. Yeah. I agree. And it's just played. I think the other thing that made me like that ending too was they played it so well. Where so it escalates to that, and then when that's over, and they come out, and you realize that he's been stabbed. I was like, I I think I literally was like, oh no! Like without even realize, you know, what I mean, I was so like, oh no! 
And then I like they just they had me where I was like, oh no, this can't. Oh come on, are you fucking serious? Like no, not not in like a cynical way, but in like a emotional like, oh Jesus, no, 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 no. And the fact that they evoke that, you know. Well, and I love that shot too when when you realize that he's injured and you see the big blood stain on the white wall. It looks it looks freaking amazing. Yeah. Oh man. It draws your eye before you even realize what's happening. Yeah, well said. So, I mean, when they do go that route, they don't shy away from anything. I mean, when you get the finger in the beginning, you can see the bone just hanging. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Closing thoughts. Mm, I'll, I'll definitely give this one another spin, like when it comes out on Blu-ray for sure. I think I want to give myself a little distance and see if my instincts are right because i think at the very least the first hour uh is going to open up a little bit more when i watch it again but but we'll see right on missy for me i think the the biggest thing was that as much as i love horror and i love the gory stuff um it was more just a story about it was a amazing road trip story about bonding and figuring out who you are and that's the stuff I liked best about it not that I didn't enjoy the gory stuff but my favorite scenes usually had to do with just them being on the road talking and I mean the movie gives you this feeling just this sense of freedom and adventure and just going on a road trip and I loved every minute of it it really does. It it, 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 in fact, I would wager you were talking about taking a road trip in spring. And I, I would imagine that this movie probably kind of lit that fire a little bit. Cause it really does kind of give it you that. Totally did. Yeah. There's a wanderlust. Sublime. Yeah. You can just hit the road and just disappear. And less so now because of phones and satellites and Wi-Fi, whatever, but I mean, still, that is the thing, you know, it's like I just drove cross country a couple months ago and it is one of the things where I'm like, even when, at my most disenfranchised, at some point I realized like whatever other people want to say the American dream is, you know, the white picket fence, whatever, which doesn't even exist anymore. But I think I figured out early on, it's really just that it's a place where you can get in a car and just drive for like thousands of miles and see all this different stuff and just kind of get lost in the world and they really do a good job of, of expressing that with this film and he obviously he does a good job you know i i felt i really felt that in call me by your name we're in a in a less vast kind of area but he i don't know he does location very well and it's definitely important to this movie and to all of his movies guys is there anything you're excited for uh that's that's coming up bardo uh, the new Alejandro Gonzalez and Uritu film. Um, yeah. Not not really. I mean, uh, there's a few things I'm excited for. Oh, I still haven't seen The Fablemans yet. Um, so I'll try to see that over the weekend. But uh, other than that, it's really going to be just try me trying to catch up with a bunch of stuff. And uh, Banshees of Innershirn, I'm probably going to catch up with over the weekend as well. That's cool. Missy, how about you? Um, nothing specific that I've been waiting for at the moment, other than 
Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Um, I didn't know it was coming to Shutter though, so that's pretty awesome. John, what do you have coming up? Um, so first of all, uh, people should go to your website, uh, and I believe it's is it it's just JohnTrafton.com, right? I have a bookmark, so I don't. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, just great essays. Um, the, the alien essay. Um, I mean, that's a whole nother God. Oh, I've got a new one that uh, I'm trying to drop later this month, uh, and it's on uh, Stanley Kubrick and David Bowie. So, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a and it's a video essay as well. Uh, oh, so wow. it's good. You know, we'll 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 see. Um, we'll see how that one goes. And and you know, you can also find me Instagram, uh, Twitter uh, at johntrafton.com and. I've got some stuff coming up at SIF uh, Film uh, Film Festival Center uh, in early uh, 2023 uh, with some cool screenings coming with it. So keep, you know, if you got fans in the Seattle area, they should keep keep their eye on that space. And uh, yeah, other than that, uh, got a new book coming out, but that uh, date hasn't been announced yet. Okay. So I'm not going to say too much more about that until I have a firm date. But I'm guessing based on the time scales, probably may. Okay. Okay. Cool. Let's wrap it then for the horror vision horror podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Missy. I'm John. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And I, w you'll both be back. I hope. And uh, just, yeah. Uh, have a good holiday. Thank you. You too. trailers i did like the trailer for cocaine bear oh i i don't know what that is neither do oh, i oh this oh, is the uh, one with the bear that does oh my god I know yeah it's it ray, ray liotta's last film oh my god that's right you oh before i left la i had a chance to go see you, a, a a fucking screening of that i got one of those you mentioned I, it i think you mentioned it like uh, on i think it was you that mentioned you're right it. like I, yeah I,